Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're here with Jeff Fritz, but we're actually on his live Twitch show while he's on our uh, time-shifted podcast. Right. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can probably go and find a YouTube video that is from his Twitch stream that is us making the show. Yeah. And it should be fun. And you get to see what we said before we just said what we said. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. You know, we edit. We, we, you know, we're not that smart. It's all edited. When it comes down to it, we're just a couple of schlubs on the internet. All right. So yeah. I've got a better Noah framework for you, Richard. Roll the music. All right. All right, buddy, what do you got? Uh, what I have today is, um, I don't know how new this product is, but it's new to me. It's called Adobe XD. What's XD? And you can get it for free, and I'll add a link to it. Get this. It's a designer, but it's more than a designer. It's a collaboration tool. So wireframe, design, prototype, present, and share amazing experiences for web, mobile, voice, and more all in one app. XD is made for designers, creative teams, and organizations that need to design at scale. It's everything you need to work more efficiently, collaborate effortlessly, and create and manage your design team. So what I've done is I've linked to a video where Microsoft is actually using this to uh, to design the next version of Windows. Wow. And um, so Microsoft is using a Dropbox, AT&T, Sonos. There's, uh, it, it looks pretty interesting, and right now it's free. You can just download it. So I haven't downloaded it. Of course, I saw it this morning. But just looking through the videos, man, it looks pretty compelling. It's, so, it's almost OneNote-y, isn't it? it? I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Like you take yeah. a good designer, like a, a wireframe designer, and then you add collaboration so that you can show right. people immediately what new features are going to look like and, and, and work like. That's pretty cool. I got to say, I'm looking forward to checking it out. It's really interesting, yeah. Well, that's what I got, Richard. Who's talking to us awesome. today? Grabbed a comment off a of show 1507. So that's uh, back a bit. That's January of 2018. So what, about a year and a half ago, a little bit more. Uh, that was a show we did with one Jeff Fritz talking about ASP.net in 2018. I know that guy. Yeah. And that was back, you know, and talking about web forms and all those good things, what was actually going to happen with .NET Core. And there's a bunch of different comments there. You know, folks were talking about various things. And Jeff was good to reply to a bunch of them. But I got to read this one from Tommy Parnell. It's right at the top of the stack where he says, I just wanted to say how nice and polite Jeff Fritz sounds, even when schooling us on not to use SQL statements in ASP.NET files. <laughs> what a class act. And I commented at the time, again, this was, you know, 18 months ago. I said, hey, Tommy, Jeff doesn't only sound nice. He really is nice. He is. And I think, I think he's the right guy in the right role. And that made Jeff blush, which is good. You know, that's yeah. the fun of having. But you couldn't see him blushing because of the uh, sparkly pr prince purple jacket. It was <laughs> that's right. masking the blush. Uh, so, Tommy, I think we exchanged some messages back and forth about this message at the time, but I never did send you a copy of Music to Code by. So, a copy of Music to Code by, it's on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at donandrocks.com or on Facebook. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code by. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. Be a prince. <laughs> Wait a sec. Be a prince. <laughs> or wait, be a Michael Jackson. Is that a Michael no, Jackson jacket or a prince jacket? This is a blazer blazer, I'll tell you. Oh, blazer. <laughs> I get Ooh, it. I get the tie-in. It's there now. That makes sense. It's a prince blazer. All right. I got to introduce you formally, Jeff. So Jeff Fritz is a senior program manager at Microsoft Developer Edition, working on some of the latest web technologies. As a longtime developer and app architect with experience in large and small applications across a variety of verticals, he knows how to build for performance and practicality. You can find his first book, Learn ASP.NET Core in 24 Hours, on Amazon and other places where dead trees are sold. On Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, you can catch Jeff hosting a live video stream called Fritz and Friends at live.jeffreyfritz.com. You can also learn from Jeff on Microsoft Virtual Academy and Wintelec Now. Follow him on Twitter at C Fritz and read his blogs at jeffreyfritz.com 
and blogs.msdn.com slash webdev. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Oh, thanks so much. But this is, is this four or did, did I, have I made the five timers club? Oh no, your, your math is off, brother. Oh no. First shows in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. This will be, this will be show number seven. Wow. All right. Yeah, so I'm past that. the five timers club. Yeah. 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 Okay. What's the significance of five? I don't know. It's that thing <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, the five timers club they do. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, right. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live since the 80s. No, it was the 90s, the 90s. I think. It's fallen off the radar for me. You know, there. I wish there was an intelligence knob on the television. They got one called brightness, but it don't work. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, that's a, is that a Gallagher, Gallagher line? That's a Gallagher yeah, line. Yeah, Gallagher. Again, yeah. 90s reference, or 80s reference, actually. <laughs> it's old. I'm old. Yes. So besides the... The Twitch stream thing going well for you, Jeff? Like, oh my gosh. You know yeah. what? This has been this has been tremendous. This is really like a reinventing of how I've engaged with with folks in in our developer audience, in our developer sure. community. Um I had I had always been speaking at various conferences and when I looked at my travel schedule, 10, 12, 15 events a year. Mm-hmm. Um and I there was one event where I flew to Germany, gave a keynote. Turned around and came home. I'm like, that sucks. Why am I flying like that? Yeah. And mm. this has just picked up and been really, really good. Um, yeah, uh, we're closing in on. We just crossed 7,500 followers here on the street. Wow. wow. We're closing in on 8,000 followers. So numbers are moving. They're going in the right direction. We've got viewer counts that look like conference sessions, uh, sure. conferences. Mm. You know, when when we do longer streams. You know, and that's that's great. That fill, fits a, a great spot for me to be able to reach folks and not just not just talk at them, but have real conversations. Morning morning talk radio. You know, yeah, because it, it seems odd to me that you would people would watch you write code. Like I've obviously participated in your streams before, and we've done the the Dev Intersection TV stuff together, and, and or virtual Dev Intersection. I think we're supposed to call it. There's so many names. Uh, yeah. and it, it, what I think is hilarious is fundamentally, it's like a perpetual series of digressions, right? Yes. You work on something for a while, a question is asked or a conversation starts up and then you digress into whatever that is Absolutely. rather than work on the thing. Well, you know what? Car talk proved to me that good radio can be 5% about cars and 95% about people. Right. You know? Yes. And that was the the winning combination there. Everybody has a car, so the audience was pretty wide. But but I, I you know, it, I know that's not the case with you, but people just love to watch other people do what they do well. Yeah. You know? Right. This is why folks like watching pro athletes, whether it's baseball, football, mm. hockey, where they, they enjoy watching folks play video games on Twitch, on right. Mixer, YouTube. Because they're really good at what they do. Yeah. So to watch folks that know how to write code well, ask questions and get good responses. Yeah, right. It's 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 nice, right? It's cool. For for technical folks, right? It it that two way street is um it's very welcome for some folks. Yeah. Really interesting, yeah. So yeah. I guess we should talk about some ASP.NET forms and Blazor and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Since you're wearing the blazer, blazer. Got the look. Let me tell you, my friend. Um, I, I've become a huge fan of blazer. And this, Just, is a, this thing is a product now, right? Like we've done a, I mean, I feel like Donna Rocks has sort of captured the whole story because we got Sanderson the day he did the original presentation in NDC to yeah. talk about what he was doing when it was complete madness. Yeah, it and was. Now, now it's a product. Um, but now, right, Blazor has actually become several products, right? As a mm-hmm. as a product name, it's not just right that initial template, that initial prototype we saw from from Steve Sanderson at NDC, where it was mm-hmm. let's compile some Razor code with C sharp and run it on top of the Mono runtime on top of WebAssembly mm-hmm. in the browser. Yeah, at that C-sharp. time it wasn't even Mono; it was worse than that. It was like yeah. this, there was some... this third party. Abandoned, abandoned open source framework. project yeah. that, that was a part of C sharp. Yeah, but it, but right? it was very much the client side story because now it seems like Blazor's diversified into a server side story as well. 
it's a server side story. It's a component you can story. package up exactly components into libraries, deploy them as NuGet packages. Um, it's the rebirth of the component ecosystem. Yeah. For for component vendors. Right. And and especially if you were a fan of web forms, it's going to be very familiar. I mean, minus the tooling. Tooling isn't there yet, but right. Uh, you know, UI tooling. But um, exactly. the component model that goes that gets shipped down to the to the client. The difference is now it's just smarter code. Right. It's smarter code. It compiles and runs well, your choice of client side or server side. And what we're trying to encourage those folks who have been doing ASP.NET web forms for a long time, we're trying to show them that you can bring that same component-based architecture and run server side. And right, you get this really interesting interaction where everything renders server side, but we're going to traffic those changes down to the client using SignalR. And you don't even have to think about that SignalR hookup. It just works for you in the background. Yeah, so, I mean SigLR is just an add-on to ASP.net. So it's just you just add up a uh a host in a not a controller. What do they call them? Hubs. Yeah. Yes. Well, I haven't yep. done SignalR in a couple months. Um, <laughs> hook up in, a hub and when we're using server-side Blazor, the framework automatically adds the hub and controls the requests going back and forth mm -hmm. for you. So, right, where you could do this with some sort of JavaScript framework or any other type of client, Java clients, .NET clients, .NET standard clients, you can interact with a Blazor hub using those technologies. It, it almost happens automatically behind the scenes mm -hmm. when you're using the server-side Blazor technology. Now, my only concern coming from a performance perspective with Bla with the server-side Blazor is how well it's going to scale. But do you, are you seeing this tech targeted at the internal apps that we, we've been building on with web forms and things for years? Or am I going to build public-facing stuff with Blazor? Oh, there's definitely the ability to build public-facing stuff, right? Because it does cache does the output caching on the server. So just as if you were doing web forms or MVC and you were doing output caching on the server, you're going to get similar performance where after it runs the first time, if the same arguments and things are passed in, you can output cache and you'll see very, very quick performance coming back down to the client. Now, I mean, when you're sending things down to the client with server-side Blazor, you do have that very, very small footprint because it's just the change in HTML that it's sending, and right. it repaints the screen appropriately. Right. Just in the same way that folks might have done that with, well, uh, Ruby folks were doing that with their version of Ajax panels. I forget what they called it. Right. Um, but in JavaScript folks just sending down the change in data and repainting things, mm. it's the exact same performance. Very small network footprint uh, compared, of course, to that very large client-side Blazor that's right. sending down whole DLLs. But I imagine well, if you want to do something a little more client-y, you could take the code that's being generated from server-side Blazor and run it client-side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at the price of having to haul a version of the .NET framework to your browser. Yeah. Right. But that only so, happens once, right? It happens once. It ends up getting cached there, but it's that it's that time to first bite, right? That time to first click, time to first experience that you want to make sure folks have a, a good experience. Yeah. So there's also right I, it, in my experimentation and the things that we've done here on stream together, and I'm, I'm, the chat room is is keeping watch on me here. Um, client side Blazor when you're working locally, feels instantaneous, of course, because it's shipping to the same machine. Right, Server-side right. Blazor is great also, but what if there was a way to crisscross them both? And there's nothing to do that yet, but if I could deliver my first bytes with server-side Blazor, get it rendered on the server, and get the client-side stuff lit up, that stuff is where it would be very, very compelling. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. Folks in the chat room are saying that Blazor means reduced JavaScript-related stress for them. Yes. Oh, I totally get that. Anything that I can write in C Sharp is, is a good day. Okay. Yeah, I just wonder if that's an anachronistic position now. Is it because of our experiences living in static type land and, and working in C Sharp for years 
that we feel good about this. I'm, I'm, it's really interesting to me to look at brand new developers who probably learned JavaScript in school, and this is like their first way of thinking. Right. Do they take to C Sharp? Is C Sharp a breath of fresh air for them? Hey, man, oh, I don't have to do I'm these I'm talking things. about me, not yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> Screw those guys. <laughs> well, I'm, the the numbers show there's a lot more JavaScript developers out there than there are .NET developers, C Sharp developers. So how do we write? How do we encourage those folks to join the .NET community? Mm-hmm. Do we show them all the cool tools that we have, the the great unit test features, the ability to use Visual Studio Code? Well, they love Visual Studio Code. Mm. They love TypeScript. They love TypeScript. Same guy. I wonder. Exactly. As we get into <laughs> C Sharp 8, there's some really great features there to be able to use those and run them client-side mm. or run them with a big server-side Blazor install. Yeah. Is that something compelling? Maybe. For some folks, it certainly is. Yeah. Well, and I, and I do see in the chat there, General Palace saying, yeah, I learned JavaScript in college and I did find C Sharp a breath of fresh air. So, And that's the, it's exactly the question I sort of have because I know my perspective is distorted by 40 years of writing code. It's like, you know, what's what feels new to you? What do you enjoy? How the way that you like to work? Does Is the compiler constraint frustrating to you or relieving to you? Because I, you know... Oh, I've just yeah. done too many of them to even really have an opinion anymore. They all work. They all have their pluses and minuses. I don't know that anything delights me at this particular moment. Like Python's entertaining me at the moment, but I know mm. that's just because I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Uh, Python is is interesting, right? Because uh, Jupyter Notebooks makes it really easy to start tinkering and testing with some of the machine learning capabilities yeah. that are out there, artificial intelligence types of things. But you can do the same thing with ML.NET now, right? You, you can use yeah. that with .NET Core, run it where you please, and connect to it even with client-side Blazor. Mm. So, okay, now, now we're getting... A lot more flexible, right? You always have this idea of .NET runs anywhere and everywhere that you want to be. Right. Sounds Mm. like a credit card. Um, (laughs) It is. It is, right? Um, So I was talking to somebody who's been running C Sharp on a Raspberry Pi or on a little IoT device, and they're using it to control, um, right? They're, They're using it to control different things around the house. Terrific. Right, building with Xamarin. Okay, that's cool. Mono for games. Okay, but are you really meaning look- Unity? Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean Unity. You really mean you? I mean, look, Unity's kicking butt, man. Like, for better or worse, like mm. it's extraordinary to be made. There's a new version of Kerbal coming. Yeah, right. Written and Th- still written in Unity. Everybody just said, "What's <gasps> Kerbal?" All the smart people know what Kerbal is. Oh, uh, both of them. <laughs> Did you know there's you a category on Twitch for folks playing Kerbal? Oh yeah, Kerbal's its own arena, without a doubt. Yeah, this this is the even even at Randall Monroe XKCD. His he's got a comic that says, you know, my time working at NASA, I understood you know, orbital mechanics this much. I start playing Kerbal, now I understand orbital mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something. To be said about scaling up once you once it becomes important to you because you're playing a game. Yeah, I see the same yeah. thing with Minecraft, right? Because folks can now really program Minecraft with things like MakeCode, right? And get in and they can really start to automate the construction of things. But it's no web forms, man. Give me that post back, back. Give me that session state back. Give me that right? view state. Oh no, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Don't, don't say the V word. <laughs> but, you know, none of us actually wanted to learn any of that stuff. We needed to build forms over data. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, and yes. that's, that's, that is still a non-trivial chunk of the job day in, day out. How do I present information to the workers in a, in a company so that they can make intelligent decisions or they can contribute to that data set? over time like that right doing that well is just not a small problem and, and it's in, it, it is the every time i get a new tool well, how do i test that new tool i build something forms over data yes forms you know, over data through. and when we when you look at all the things that web forms tried to give you visual designer easy drag and drop easy data binding of these things you were able to to build a, a grid with 
create, read, update, delete features so you can see the details of those records quickly and easily. Mm. It's a little bit harder to scaffold and do those things in some of the newer frameworks we have, but we're we're working on putting together a little bit of documentation to get folks to port those concepts that they had from ASP.NET Web Forms over to Blazor, whether it's server-side, client-side. We want to focus on these folks on server-side first because that's the that's the version we're going to see Microsoft support out of the gate here with .NET Core 3. Sure, and and we're expecting that to ship as part of Core 3, so like end of September, early end of October September, kind right. of thing. End of September, part of .NET Conf. Right. We got some old people in here shouting Microsoft Access and Visual Fox Pro. No. (laughs) Come on, Stop that. (laughs) At least I'm not saying InfoPath, okay? Right? See, everybody just went silent on InfoPath. Right? what? Yeah, that thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, you you know, that was big corp forms building tools that they, they it had a fairly narrow window of time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, it, and and i don't know anybody you know i know lots of folks who started in access and then you know became programmers like moved over to more traditional dev tools i don't know a lot of infopath people ever did that so nope. right now today september 3rd you need the visual studio 2019 in order to run the bits with blazer right yeah yeah um Yes, 2017 yeah. doesn't support it anymore. Right. So you got to get yourself a playground and, and go at it. Have you done, I um, mean, you obviously have done it, but what, what kinds of things have you done with Blazor, Jeff? Oh, gosh. So we've been working on stream. We've been, there's two separate projects that we've been tinkering with. Um, the first project and the one that it kind of has a little bit more legs, I think, is a client-side Blazor application that's going to set up and allow um, allow a nonprofit organization, a place that specializes in doing a little equine therapy for uh, for folks that have physical challenges, mental yeah, yeah. challenges, these types of yeah. things. But oh, they you've need got to you've got a house full of, of horse people, don't you? I do. It I know makes, a lot of horse people. It makes horse sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's it, and it's it's all because of the JavaScript. That's why. Yeah. I know. The JavaScript. Because horses love JavaScript. Horses um, love JavaScript. Yeah. None of this is true. There they go now. Um, So we've been building this application to allow volunteers to key in their availability, see it on a calendar, and eventually have managers be able to view a report of here's when folks are available Mm. to volunteer and schedule lessons. So it's a scheduling application. And we spent a lot of time, we've, we've evolved from... Blazor Preview 6 through 7, and now we're on Preview 8 at mm. this point here um, as we get ready for the release of uh, .NET Core 3, but that's client-side. We've been yeah. learning and working with server-side Blazor, building a building a bot, actually, for a couple of friends' chat rooms. It's going to be a, a, in, built with a distributed nature so that it can host multiple chat rooms at the same time. Now, chatbots are, are a real thing on Twitch, um, you see them in Discord, YouTube, the um, right Mixer, all the other platforms that you want to automate interactions. Right. So we're building this in a way that uses um, server-side Blazor to render and present some of the content, but for the interactions with each one of the channels on that platform, we're using the actor model with Akka.net from our friends like uh, Aaron Stanner. Yep. Right. Yep. So we're learning how to do that and building and doing this rich interaction, building our own components, being able to reuse them has really taught us how, how to stop thinking of a whole page as a whole page again, mm-hmm. right? Because we got wrapped up in that with MVC and with right. Razor pages. But let's get back into the component model. Let's start thinking about how we can build those components smaller and reuse them everywhere. Can I tell you what a challenge it is to go back and try and think of, well, how do I make a time control? Right. Right. What's a time component look like? In, in, the, in that scenario. Yeah. I can imagine things like um, client-side tree view explorers would be the perfect kind of thing for a, for a Blazor component. You know. Oh, my gosh. Sure, but absolutely. These are all Reads. and these are all server side controls, right? So they're just rendering into HTML anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're going to instead of writing the JavaScript around there to manage and do the interactions, now you can write C sharp, just like you were used to doing. Manage those interactions with a web form, uh, 
with a WinForms control, right? Mm -hmm. WebForms, mm -hmm. with you still had to, you still wanted to write JavaScript when you were in ASP.NET WebForms, so you could automate it, and make it look great in the browser. Well, now we got to teach all our WebForms friends. Well, do it in C Sharp, and let's take all that script and stuff, and let's let's stash all that all that client side static file nonsense in the www root folders that we have on our ASP.NET Core applications. Yeah, and then you're basically writing C-sharp code to respond to the events that we're related to people's interactions with that. You don't have to worry about the JavaScript around any of that. Exactly. To me, that I think the eventing model is the biggest thing. You know, It's always a battle in JavaScript to deal with an eventing model. Oh, oh yes, right? The on-click. Well, is around Which that click. Exactly. <laughs> did, it, did you finish typing? Did the value change? What what exactly was the event that occurred? Oh, well, by the way, you got, got this global variable out here that's uh, usurping all of your events. I don't know if yeah, you yes. knew that, but uh, you're probably not going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find it. No. So as we're seeing C Sharp and .NET evolve on both client and server with Blazor, now we've got to evolve our tools so that we can hook into these new locations where we're building and debugging. Server-side Blazor is a lot easier to debug right now because we know how to debug server-side stuff. Mm. Client-side yeah. Blazor is a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, that's going to be because, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's running in the browser. So there's tools that will allow you to, in Google Chrome, start up and attach to the debugger. And, and when I show the chat room on Twitch, what it looks like to debug and see C-sharp in the debugger in Google Chrome or in Microsoft Edge that has the Chrome rendering engine, it it's it's kind of it, it messes with your mind here. People yeah, no, no, head explode, right? Like boom. Yeah. What? Yeah. C sharp in the browser? Right. Wait till they see VB or F sharp in the browser. Yeah. That, but I, that I could also but I also see that that would just be an, an additional DLL you would load into the browser running inside of WebAssembly that provides the debugging hooks. And then when you go to a deployed version, you just wouldn't deploy that DLL. Because that also feels to me like a huge vulnerability too. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm not sure if it's an extra DLL or if it's an extra service that stands up and you're connecting over into that debugger service and it's trafficking the stuff back and forth. I forget exactly how it's working, but it is it is definitely something you, you don't want to enable that debugging on the client side. So... It, it is an interesting feature, to be sure. I like to ask everybody when we when we uh, talk Blazor, what is the um, component uh, vendor ecosystem looking like these days? And do you have high hopes for it, or do you think people are done with those kinds of large toolkits that they purchase? Oh, it's, it's coming back. It's coming back uh, like gangbusters. So I know it's coming um, back in the open source world, but what about in the com commercial vendor space? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So our friends at Progress, formerly Telerik, they're, they've got a Blazor toolkit they're bringing back. Uh, the folks at DevExpress, they have a, a component library they're bringing around. Mm -hmm. um, I've also seen there's a new company on the scene, Radzen. They've oh. started up and they've got a uh, tremendous set of controls that they're bringing. Controls, components, I guess we're calling them components in the Blazor world. Right, right. Um, and, uh, uh, I think sync fusion is also getting ready. They've, they've got some, they've had them for a while. Deploy. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard and I haven't really gone after, I, I, I know our friend, uh, our friends at Infragistics have been talking about, uh, blazer. I'm not sure if they have any components yet. I haven't paid too much attention to anything coming off of them just yet. But well, of course, I'm, coming around. I'm I'm just getting started with Visual Studio 2019 and, and Blazor. In other words, downloaded it, installed it, haven't done diddly squat I'm, yet, but I'm, pl but I'm planning on it. I'm planning on spending a couple of days deep diving in. So I want to uh, download some of these tool kits and, and try them out. I actually have a project, a new project that I'm specking out, and uh, it looks like a perfect candidate for Blazor. Whether it's cool. server side, client side, I don't know yet. Probably a little of both, but yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I look at if you're going to bring Blazor into a project, you would bring it in in the same place that you would bring one of the SPA frameworks. Right. If you would consider Angular, if you would consider React for or Vue to to manage and run an application, that's also someplace that you could consider Blazor. Um, 
You know, I think there's um, there's a tremendous upside. There's a tremendous opportunity that's coming here. WebAssembly is going to be a big thing in the next five years. It's in every browser, thanks yeah. to our friends uh, Spectre and Meltdown. Everybody had to update their browsers because the processors were vulnerable, and everybody got support for WebAssembly, and so there's a, even their phones run it. There's a couple of comments here I want to read. Um, Legendary sure. Moo says, DevExpress recently announced they were not going to do a React version of their tools in favor of Blazor. There you go. And Rambling That's Geek really says, do it live, Carl. Like the un, the <laughs> unboxing, <laughs> right? That might be fun. Do it live. Do it live. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three stream oh, no. decks here. Jeff Carl, with, with a with an effect. effects panel. That's a bad yeah. thing. Make the bad. Throw me a freaking bone here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Sounds like Mondays. Um, yeah. we can have a little bit of fun. Absolutely. Very cool. So I'm I'm just making sure the chat the chat room usually has access to run some of my sound effects and we we're not going to leave let them have access to them and interrupt our fine conversation here, gentlemen. Hey, uh, guys, hold that thought while we pause for this brief but yet very important message. Hey, this is Carl Franklin and this is Richard Campbell and we're going to be hosting the .NET Developer Days conference in Warsaw, Poland. October 23rd through the 25th. Developer Days is one of the largest events in Central and Eastern Europe dedicated to application development on the .NET platform. And we'll be recording a number of shows from the conference and hanging out with you. So go to developerdays.pl and get your tickets now. And we're back with Jeff Fritz. I'm Carl Franklin. That's Richard Campbell. And we're talking about Blazor. Talking about, we want to talk about web forms in Blazor a little bit, but um, there is a question in the chat room from the Hugo Doll. What would you not recommend Blazor for? And I'm asking as someone on a team embarking on a new project where it's Angular versus React versus Vue versus Blazor versus other. Um, well, I mean, and as we just said, I think if you're considering any of these Angular, React, Vue, UI frameworks, JavaScript frameworks, consider blazer yeah we're early in the in the life cycle for for blazer very early we're still coming out of previews for server side capabilities client side it has a way to go before that's going to be certified as um right as rtm right as publicly supported by microsoft they're still developing and figuring out exactly how all the client side tooling is going to work out but if it's something that you could do in one of those javascript user interface frameworks you can consider it. I wouldn't consider it if you have a team that is very well versed in those JavaScript frameworks. If yeah, I think skill set matters here, right? If you've yeah. got good people. Yeah. I was looking at a tool on the last show called Visual Recode, which uh, it, it's an automatic converter from ASP.NET, I'm sorry, from, from .NET to .NET Core, but it's focused on ASP.NET. So it'll convert... Uh, web API, .NET Web API to ASP Core Web API. It'll also do WCF to Web API, ASP.NET Core, and WCF to gRPC. So now, that begs the one, question, do you think that there's room for a tool that will take a big, giant web forms project and convert it to Blazor somehow? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's, hang on, D doing that kind of conversion is not for the faint of heart. Let's no, start no, kidding. No, no, no. Yeah. Right? You think about all the things that you need to bring, you need to convert. You got to take that global ASAX, fi ASAX file. You've got to convert mm -hmm. it so that instead of launching and doing all your startup things for web forms, well, now it's got to do all the startup things for .NET Core inside of a startup CS file. Yeah, you've got to take all of those ASPX files, convert them into Razor templates, and you don't have one-to-one -one conversion there. Those things aren't identical, right? right? You might be able to do something to make those data source components migrate, and if you have those data source components, just get out. Just leave. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear from you. Okay, but philosophically. Blazor server side is sort of spa-ish, right? You're staying on a it page is. and you're loading components in. There's yep. lots of web form stuff built out there that's multi-page. So you've got a serious yep. philosophical difference there. Well, um, 
they're multi-page, but people wanted them to feel spa-like, Sposh, right? So yeah. that you clicked and it real quick refreshed. You didn't want that yeah. flash of the screen. So the so UI is the same page, but they're actually going to different URLs on the back end. Right. Yeah. Which is the other, the other one that's good, I think is going to get you is what third-party components did you use in web forms? Uh, and what? Yeah. how do those map you know, into Blazor? Because, right. I mean, some of the vendors are clearly going, like... I don't know if the guys like Teleric are actually looking at their web forms control and saying, can I make a path to my Blazor controls? But boy, it'd be nice for those customers if they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's you know, something. I think that there's a story here for not ju- not conversion like a tool that you're going to push a button and get a Blazor app, but for um, consultancies to go forward with conversions, you know, that would be fun because now you find out what you can and can't do, right? Once you start, right. once you pull on the string of an ASP.NET Web Forms application and all these impossible things fall out, you'll know whether you can do it or not. What sure. I, I think you're re-written. making a, a powerful point there, Carl, which is this is very much a one-time activity mm-hmm. and no company that does something else but also depends on Web Forms needs to get good at Web Forms migration. This yeah. is a service you would hire. That's right. It's it a is. service. Yeah. And right, folks that are in Webforms applications now that are maintaining them that want to at least be able to consider doing this type of migration, this type of rewrite in the future, there are some simple things that they can consider to help get them on the right path there, right? Take some of those class libraries that you're working on, some of that common functionality that's in your application that's just C sharp classes. Pull it out of that project, put it into a class library, make it a .NET standard class library so that you can reuse that logic when you get to .NET Core or into into a .NET standard-based Blazor client-side application. Mm. That that initial first migration, just get your code. It's .NET framework right now. Right. Move it into a .NET standard project. it's, It's a huge first step to get you in the right place. The Hugo Dahl says CAAS, conversions as a service. <laughs> sure. Uh, I was thinking more consulting as a service, which re- quickly becomes crisis as a service. Right. <laughs> yeah. Snoopaloopy makes a good point here, hoping libraries that D3JS get adopted to Blazor. There, there are some folks that are building a little bridge there so that from Blazor you can call into D3 and get, that, get the graphics happening uh, on the client side using this JavaScript interop bridge. But we've also got our friends at companies like Uno that are allowing us to use XAML yeah. inside the browser. And now and you're getting whole, awful serverlight-ish, aren't you? Uh, you had to say the SL word. Don't say the S word. Yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, look, Silverlight had needed a plug-in, and yeah, yeah. It, it hurt to run it. And it was it ever going to be as good as Flash? Well, no, the real question you have to ask, was it ever as bad as Flash? Which is yeah, no. I was going to say, it never as leaked good? anywhere near as much memory, you know. <laughs> okay. All nothing right. leaked memory like Flash. Nothing still leaks memory like Flash. Like, to this day, they're going to turn the thing off in 2020. Everybody's going to find out they actually had 16 gigs of RAM. Like, who knew? So check Ooh. out this Asteroids Wasm game that it's a, it's a Blazor Asteroids game you play in the browser. That's it. Yeah, it's client-side, yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, right, there's there's a lot of things that we can do with the technology, right? The question's going to become, should we do these with the technology? Right. Yeah. Right? How many web forms applications are out there that, you know what? We need to just rethink it anyway. Yeah. Do we really need to rewrite this? Can yeah. We, well, it, and there's a strong case for not, you know, rarely are rewrites that important. It's it's a rethinking. The usual reason that apps get dismantled like this is that they're they need to go mobile, right? They need to change form factor. Like may, sure. I we've done the show on making ASP.NET web forms work in in mobile. It's not easy to do. And it's a yeah. it's an opportunity to consider right. a re-engineering. Well, and right, there's there's other form factors like you're saying that we want to be able to get our applications into. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you've got a Web Forms application, it's running on, get it upgraded to .NET, Core, .NET Framework 4.8, mm-hmm. and you're still going to get support for at least 10 years. Yeah. So, if you 
don't need to add significant new functionality to it, don't. Right. And arguably, if and when, like I think about, um, who was it? Was it Fernando Guerrero that did the VB6 to .NET migration yes. tool? Yeah. And it took him years to make it great. But if you had my, if you were all the way up to the fine, the current patch version of VB6, you were able to, you know, in those later years, run that tool and just take it and and move it on. Oh, yeah. So if you take the time to get to framework 4.8, get up to the most current version of the framework that directly supports web forms, if and when great migration tools appear, they're going to depend on that. So you've done the best thing you could for an app you're not going to migrate now because it's just too difficult to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and right, folks like, um, like our friends at Mobilize.net, they do a lot of that stuff. Getting you into the latest version of .NET Framework, modernizing a VB6 application, you know, it, it makes your application, um, even if you get 90% there, 80 to 90% there, that is a huge leap. If you don't only have to write 10, rewrite 10 to 20% of your application using tools that, right? Someone like these folks uh, put together, that's tremendous. Do yourself a favor and start with getting your application prepared for that longer term maintainability with better architecture. So I know there's a listener out there who's thinking, what Blazor? We're just now in the middle of our .NET, you know, web forms, the .NET core MVC migration. Mm. And now we got to do Blazor? Right? No. no, you don't. So I guess maybe uh, Scott Hunter's the only guy who knows this. Maybe you do. But how many um, how many web forms apps are out there that haven't yet been migrated to something more modern? Three. <laughs> I'll give you the number of units later. Three. <laughs> it's only three. Million. Yes, that that might be the units. Sure. Well, of course, it's one thing to talk about what's public facing, what's internal, right? That to me is the one that gets you is the tremendous amount of software that's been written that runs inside of companies that's otherwise not visible anywhere else, Mm -hmm. and 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 there's just no incentive to do much updating and maintaining to it. It's like Mm -hmm. it's an internal plumbing app. It's good enough. Right, and that's where it stays. You know but what? Security you, though is a really good reason to to move into a more modern platform. He's not wrong. It's that's a good motivator. So is uh, ML.net. If you want to start using some of the machine learning stuff that comes with ML.net, you want to build and run your own models. You want to run with your own engine inside of your own applications. You're going to want to get into ML.net. You're going to need to get into .NET Core. Now, okay, you can stand that up inside of an application, run it as a service next to your existing application and communicate across using HTTP or some other, uh, right, some other queuing technology maybe to interact, whatever your network protocol might be. If you want to get some of these new features in there, yeah, you're going to need to migrate. You're going to need to consider it. But maybe this is where you first start drawing the line and saying, okay, you know what? Anything that needs to interact with this feature, this functionality needs to be in the new technology. And you can start drawing that line and figuring out, well, all right, let's start migrating module X into .NET Core, into Blazor, so that you do have a clear path forward. It all starts with good architecture and how you draw that line of where the old stuff stops, the new stuff starts, and how to cross that line is going to go a long way for you. Web forms code behind is anything but good architecture, mostly. <laughs> but I, th- I wonder if that's what you're going to find if you just go through the process of scrutinizing an app to get it up to the current bits is, A, we understand this pretty well, and this is not only migratable, it's probably easy rewritable re- in experience tool of your choice. Yes. Or B, this is a pile of snakes, and if you mm-hmm. touch it in any way, it dissembles, and we should just... Greenfield this thing taking the domain knowledge we have and how people use it so that we kind of know what to build but you know I've definitely seen both kinds of software it's like anytime we touch this it dies this is a pile of snakes and we're on a plane mother trucker (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. get these monkey fighting snakes off this Monday to Friday plane yes 
Well, yeah. and, and I've I've seen those machines where it's in a it's in a virtual machine running a version of an OS that's so old you don't even want to admit to it, and even applying a service pack breaks it. Like that's where you are with this thing. It's like, <laughs> sorry, you're really not going to upgrade anything. You're not going to no. fix anything. You're just going to look at that and say, this is an example, an example of what our people need, an example of what not to do. But yeah. at the same time, right? I I, I think about Carl's comment about. Uh, the code behind for a web form, right? And the event venting model that happens there, right? We have the same thing in razor page view models, right? Our page models that we have there. And we're seeing the same thing now with component base inside of our Blazor applications. Well, there is a separation there, though. I mean, you could do view models in web forms if you wanted to, but nobody did. Right. Right. I mean, but having a separate testable uh, place where all your code executes that's uh, separate from the events is right. a good thing. There's the catch, right? Is the reason that the web form wasn't testable was because you couldn't construct it. If you could construct it, well, now it's a whole different ball of wax. Now we can do something with that. And yeah. if we can trigger the events on our own, and you couldn't trigger the events on your own. So, well, and this is why MVC came along in the first place, right? Is we yes. were getting into these fur balls of ASP.NET apps. Where you're like, I, I can't maintain this anymore. I can't build good test harnesses around it. And so, you know, some of us moved over to MVC, some of us didn't. I think what we learned from MVC and what the ASP.NET web forms team learned, the later versions of ASP.NET web forms got easier to test. I mean, not they're not great, but they got better. Sure. Right. Because we had things like model binding. We yeah. even brought dependency injection into dun, dun, dun. web forms. <laughs> yeah. So that's a thing. They said it couldn't be done. Well, it needed it. We made it happen. We shoehorned it in there. So, it, and it works. It works great. Um, and it will give you that ability to at least consider testing your code behind classes. But I completely, I completely agree. Move as much possible out into a view model. Start think, rethinking that architecture the right way. Mm -hmm. Modules, handlers, these things in ASP.NET, you're going to eventually need to get them ported into middleware in .NET Core. Okay, you know, that's that's a whole nother ball of wax to do that rewrite, but it's doable, right? You've got a clear one-to-one -one mapping there. And and you're chipping away at the furball bit by bit, right? Like you're taking those pieces off so that the, the whatever's scaring you inside that app, and it's always something, you've, you finally get a box around it, right? Like you, I've yes. always described it as every piece of software has ugliness. It's only a question is, do you know where your ugliness is? Mm. Amen. Uh, Hugo points out it, you need to get rid of some of those testing barriers like HTTP contacts. Right. Yeah. 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 That completely changes between the two ASP.NET versions. Don't touch that thing. <laughs> don't touch Ouch. it. Yeah. Mock it. It's pain. Mock it. Model. Don't even mock it. Model bind everything you can. Yeah. Model bind it Do, out. Yeah. Absolutely. Model binding works in web forms, works in Blazor, works in MVC. Model bind that stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Those are the those are the common points. You're going to be able to put those paths together. It's just, I of course, I'm immediately thinking about something running ASP 2.0. Just you know, and they did never got over to uh, to uh, to MVC to the to the templates. Like yeah. I'm not even talking. They're not even using all the 2.0 features, right? Like mm. that's and then and then they are the one. That's the app they want to move. And you're like, oh, we got a lot of work. Isn't that a you country that song? I'd rather have a bottle mind than a model bind. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up from Carl Franklin and the Destroyers. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Oh. Nice. So, Jeff, what's next for you? What's in your inbox, brother? So, coming up, we've got .NET Conf. Oh, man. This is now my favorite conference because I, I'm I'm the virtual guy. I like being here on, on the internet broadcasting video. So we've got three days of content. The first two days live from Microsoft Studios, and we've got all your favorite Microsoft program managers, speakers, engineers talking about great stuff that's coming out as part of .NET Core 3. But at the end of day two... We turn on we turn on the Twitch stream, we turn on the cameras, and we turn them around, and we go around the world 24 hours straight, non-stop. Speakers from every continent are going to be joining us to talk about all the cool things that are happening in .NET in 2019. Awesome. It is amazing. And you and I are also going to start streaming for virtual Dev Intersection again. 
Oh, yeah. Starting oh, in September. Yeah. And I think our last show is going to be on Halloween, which should be a complete train wreck. <laughs> We're going to schedule it that way. We're I, just going to yeah, yeah. I feel like a third no, wheel. I'm going to have to get in on this somehow. I'm going to have to get in I, on the streaming yeah. thing. Um, I think uh, I think for, for the Halloween show for sure because it's it's going to be costume. I've got a steampunk <laughs> costume where I actually have a hat that fits on my head because my wife custom made it to fit my head. I have a Halloween costume that will be perfect. All right, so Carl's on the Halloween show for sure. There we go, and we'll have so, some fun with that. I will say that, um, Mr. Franklin, we've got a number of brand new Carl Franklin fans here on the channel because they listen to. Music to Code by. Oh, yeah, cool. And they've been really oh, enjoying right. it here. Cool. I listen to it whenever I write code, which is almost every day. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's great that you consume your own product. That's really cool. I use it routinely, but I use it for writing. That's what yeah. I've been mostly doing, right? Trying to get all this writing finished. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I listen to it when I make music to code by. No, that's um. That's very bad. That's <laughs> All right, Jeff, thanks a lot. And thanks for letting us invade your space here. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. It's great having you here. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm